Turn with me please in the scriptures to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. 1 Corinthians 2 and 1. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 says, I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save or except Jesus Christ and him crucified. How many believe that the master is supposed to be the main emphasis always in the church, in the teaching, in the preaching? You got to watch about any kind of ministry that doesn't talk much about him or that goes on month after month and there's no reference to him and there's not much talk about him. He is everything. Without him, there is no salvation. There is no redemption. There is no eternal life. There is no heaven for anybody without him. Now you can believe something else if you want to, but the Bible reveals this. He said, we determined not to know anything among you except Jesus, the Christ, And uh, him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Spiritual things are not the same as mental things. Spiritual is not the same as intellectual. They're not the same. You got the head and the heart. And you don't believe God with your head. Faith is not mental. Faith is not intellectual. Faith is spiritual. Faith is a choice. How many remember Proverbs talks about trust in the Lord with all of your heart Lean not to your own understanding. So obviously there's a difference. And Romans 10 says, for with the heart man believes. That's the part of our being that we believe with, have faith with. And uh, he said, my speech and preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Now, this is definitely not intellectual. This is manifestation, demonstration of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and the power of God. Power. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say why, verse 5, he said, that, in other words, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your and my faith in God 
is not supposed to be just based on somebody else's thinking. No, sir, no, ma'am. I don't care how many degrees they got in theology. I don't care what position they have in the denomination or whatever. Your faith in, in Christ, your faith in God, should not stand or have its foundation or basis in the beliefs or thinking of other people, including your parents, your grandparents. So, what do you mean? Sure, I, I, I believe, you know, what they believe. That's not enough. I said, that's not enough. You're talking about eternity. You're talking about heaven and hell. You're talking about lost and saved here. You can't ride grandma's coattail into heaven. Or mama's either. No, you can't. You've got to know him for yourself. And when you get born again, you experience the power of God. You are born again by the power of God. You're filled by the spirit and power of God. You're healed by the spirit and power of God. And you and I are supposed to, if you're born again, you have had some experience with the power of God. And you're supposed to have more and more as you walk with him throughout your life. Hallelujah. He said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Now, we live in the information age. And we, we live in a society and generation that emphasizes knowledge above many other things. And uh, that is not enough for spiritual. That is not enough to base your eternal welfare on. The Spirit of God through Paul said, I want your faith to be in the power of God. Hallelujah. That's talking about experience. You have experienced him for yourself. And so you know him for yourself. Said out loud, I have faith in the power of God. You don't just believe in somebody else's God, grandpa's God, mama's God, your denomination's God, your pastor's God. You know him for yourself. He's my God. He's my God. Well, how do you know you're born again? I was there when it happened. I was there. <laughs> I was there when it happened. Hallelujah. <laughs> and if you say, well, I, I'm not sure about all that. You need to get sure. You need to press in and find out about this until you get there. Oh, thank you, Lord. Look with me over in the Second uh, Timothy, the third chapter. Actually, we'll start in verse 1. And I'm going to read this to you from... Uh, the complete English version. 2 Timothy 3 and 1. Now this, this is a, he words this in a way we talk. He said, you can be certain that in the last days there'll be some very hard times. 
Just keep reading for the next several verses here. People will love only themselves and money. They'll be proud, stuck up, rude, disobedient to their parents. They'll be ungrateful, godless, heartless, and hateful. Their words will be cruel. They'll have no self-control or pity. These people will hate everything good. They'll be sneaky, reckless, puffed up with pride. (laughs) Now, we can't believe for that not to happen. Because the Word of God already said it would. Didn't say it'd be fun either. Being around these folks. But you don't have to be that way. This is a picture of unsaved, ungodly people. And the, the word tells us that it gets worse. And it'll get bad. Instead of loving God, they'll love pleasure. Even though they'll make a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. Don't have anything to do with such people. Now, that's the CEV's way of saying in in verse 5 in the King James, it says they have a form of godliness, but denying the power. That's more accurate. From such turn away. Listen to the Amplified verse 5. It says, though they hold a form of piety, they deny and reject and are strangers to the power of it. Avoid such people. They reject. The Weymouth says it like this. They'll keep up a make-believe of piety and yet live in defiance of its power. So, he said in the, in the last days, people will be like that. Can you see any evidence of that coming to pass? Well, the last part of that said, they, there'll be people also uh, that have a form of godliness, but they deny and reject the power side of it and part of it. They deny the power. Well, Obviously, that's not something you should do. What's the opposite of denying the power? Well, our text, for one thing, having faith in the power, right? But faith goes beyond just a doctrinal stance. We looked at this point, but go with me again to Isaiah. Let's look at it again. Isaiah 40, there's a religious group that deny the power, reject the power. He said, Isaiah 40 in verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard the God of the age, Jehovah? I'm actually reading from the young, well, let's read the King James, then I'll read this. The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. This is not knowledge. Is there a difference between knowledge and power? Yeah, we need knowledge. 
We need knowledge about the power. <laughs> right? <laughs> For one thing. But we don't just need knowledge and just to hear the fine words of men and women that have studied and are educated. We need to experience power. Can I get a witness? He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. You can be absolutely out of gas on zero and he will increase your strength. You can be fainting. That means you're just, you're out of it and yet he will give you power. Verse 30, even the youths shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. What's that saying? The strongest of the strong naturally don't last long. You may think, well, I can handle anything. You can't. (laughs) You may think I can deal with anything. You can't. In fact, it's surprising how quick you'll run out of gas. (laughs) It's easy to say that when everything's going okay. Nuh-uh, nuh. It's surprising. In your own strength, you are not that strong. Even the youngest of the young and the strongest of the strong will run out quickly. That's why you have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Hallelujah, because his might doesn't run out. Isn't that what he's saying? He he doesn't even get tired. He doesn't run out. He doesn't run low. Verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So here we see we have a part in this. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount, not just everybody, they, the ones that do this, they'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. That's evidence that the Lord was able to strengthen them, able to quicken them. Not everybody, but them. And so the Young's literal that I started to read, it says it like this. It says, verse 31 But those expecting Jehovah pass to power. Now that's a very literal way of saying it, but I like literal because I like accurate. Do you? Let me warn you again. A lot of these modern translations, they're not true translations. They're paraphrase. What, What do you mean? They're telling you what they think the scripture means, not exactly what it says. I don't want anybody telling me what they think it means. When I'm reading the Bible for myself, I want to know what he said. Well, you got to watch about these modern translations because they, they add a lot of things that's not there and put it in their own words, thinking, I guess, that they're helping you out. But you don't want to know what they think he meant. Tell me what you want to know. What, he, what did he say? Exactly what he said. Right? Exactly what he said. And then let the Holy Spirit help you with what it meant. Because you got the author of the book. (laughs) You got the author of the book living inside you. And he helps you with what it means. Those expecting Jehovah pass to power. Go with me over to Mark, please, the sixth chapter. What you see 
is that the manifestation and demonstration of the Spirit and power is not solely up to God. There is a, a definite human side of it, manward side of it. Does it make any difference if you believe in the power or not, how much the power is manifested around you? Yes, it does. Does it make any difference if you deny the power, how much the power is manifested around you? If that is true, what are we waiting on? (laughs) What do you mean? Should we stir ourselves up to believe stronger in the power and to expect? Did you hear that word? They that that expect Jehovah, they pass to power, expecting power to manifest. When you pray a prayer to receive the Lord, do you expect power to manifest and that that person to become a new creation in Christ? That's one of the greatest miracles that you'll ever be around. If you lay hands on people that are sick... Should you expect power? Should you? Should you? What if you don't? Well, does it matter? In in Mark 6, Mark 6 and verse 1, this is Jesus in his own hometown. Jesus went out from there and he came into his own country and his disciples followed him. Said when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? In other words, we'd say, Where did he get all this? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and, and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended. At him. Now, we have reason to believe that what you see in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, where the Bible said Jesus took the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, he found the place where it was written, and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he's anointed me. And he talked about what that anointing would do. Is he talking about power? Is he talking about power? Recovering of sight to the blind, healing the brokenhearted. Is that right? I mean, on and on and on. Well, we have reason to believe he preached that in numerous places. And he talked about that repeatedly over and over again. Probably the same thing right here in his own hometown. And they, did they receive that message? Did they believe in the power and the anointing that was on him there? No, they did not. Did they deny it? Did they reject it? Yeah, they did. And how did it affect them? It says, Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor, without respect and reverence and valued, but in his own country, among his own kin, in his own house. Verse 5, are you looking at it? And he what? Decided not to. Chose not to. Uh Uh-uh. That's what religion will tell you. But that's not what the Bible says. He what? Couldn't do mighty works there? Couldn't? 
That's what it says. I said, that's what it said. Now that word mighty work, that's the same word we've been studying. You know, dunamis is what he said. I want, you, I want your faith to be not in the wisdom of men, but in the dunamis of God. And what that is, is what we call power. But the Greek is even more detailed. It has to do with miracle working power. And it's also translated mighty deeds. And it is the power that makes possible. Say it out loud. Power that makes possible. Power that makes something that people count impossible makes it possible. Power that makes achievable, reachable, doable, changeable. Hallelujah. Are all things possible with God? And are all things possible to him or her that believes? Well, it's going to take some dunamis to make possible. Because it's beyond what you can do. It's beyond what I can do. It's beyond what we can do as human beings. And so human beings, especially that don't believe in God or that are just religious and deny the power, then they're going to say it can't happen. Why? Because they can't make it happen. But just because you can't make it happen doesn't mean it can't happen. There is a God who created the heavens and the earth. Right? And with him... It's possible. I said it's possible. And you see it demonstrated in what Jesus did. In his ministry. There were signs. There were wonders. There were healings. There were deliverances. There was changing of the water into wine. There was raising of the dead. There was calming of storms. Is that right? Is that right? Power. Oh, somebody say power, power. It was power. Power did that. And it was power that raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. And if you don't believe in that power, you're not a Christian. What do you mean, Brother Keith? There's two big things that are miracles. Any way you describe them. The virgin birth. Right? That Jesus did not have an earthly father. The, the scripture said that the angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you and the power of the highest is going to overshadow you and describing how conception would occur in her. It was a miracle. Do you believe that or not? Yes. Now, if you say, well, that's crazy, that can't happen. You're not saved. You're lost. If you respond like that. You understand what I'm saying? Because if Jesus, if his father is Joseph, and if he's an ordinary man, he could not be our salvation. Then that means there is no redemption. There is no salvation. Christianity is a joke. You shouldn't even go to church. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, Christianity is a hoax. Either is or is not. And if you believe that, then you probably would not have as much trouble believing that when he was nailed to the cross and he died and they laid him in the tomb, three days later, three days later, 
The angel rolled the stone away. The power of God and the glory of God lit up that tomb. Hallelujah. And Jesus' body was changed to immortal, incorruptible. His spirit reunited with it. And he's sitting in it at the right hand of majesty on high right now. Nobody will ever find a remnant of Jesus' body in any tomb, anywhere, because it ain't there. It's in heaven. And if you say, well, that, you know, I don't know if I can accept that. You're lost then. You're lost. If you don't believe that, you're lost. There's some things that are just non-negotiable. Either is or it's not. How many lift a hand and say, I unequivocally, absolutely believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? Come on, I'm looking around. I'm looking around. I want you to go on record. (laughs) All right, you can put them down. How many would lift a hand and say, I absolutely, unequivocally believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? I must be looking at some saved people in this house. I must be. I must be. (laughs) Some people say, well, what about all these other religions? I can't help it. The Bible's either true or it's not. Right? And one reason I'm talking about this is because, you know, the scripture said that these people have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power. And see, denying the virgin birth is denying the power. Denying the physical resurrection is denying the power. That's denying the power. And the Lord said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father and the angels. Did he say that? He also said, if you'll confess me before men. That's why I wanted you to put your hand up. I wanted you to go on record in front of everybody. Is that right? How many are going to want Jesus to claim you later on and confess you in front of the Father? Then you better open up your mouth down here, get your hand up, and somebody say, You're one of them. You go, You better believe I'm one of them. I'm a ringleader in the bunch. What do you mean, one of them? I am a Bible believing, right? Miracle believing, Holy Spirit believing, resurrection believing. You got it. All the way. Unashamed. Not embarrassed. Not going to change. Not going to change. And if you're not, you're going to wish you were. You're going to really, really wish you were. <laughs> well, this is a little different today, huh? <laughs> is it true, though? Is it, is it true? Verse 5. Did... Did it matter whether the people there believed in the power or not? Whether they received it or not? Yes. Yes, it mattered. And it still matters to this day. It matters everywhere. Are we expecting manifestations of the power of God? You can be doing that in general without knowing the specifics. But... And turn with me, if you would, to Luke while while I'm talking here. Luke 9. All of us have different emphasis in the ministries that the Lord has called us to. And when I say ministries, 
Every believer has ministry. You don't have to be a preacher or a pastor or evangelist to, to have a ministry. Uh, all of us are supposed to be witnesses and lights in this dark world. And all of us are supposed to be born again by the Spirit, by the power. And, we're, and all of us are supposed to be filled with the Spirit. And the scripture said, Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you and you'll be witnesses, witnesses, lights unto me. And he talked about an increasing sphere of influence. But uh, you'll receive power and you'll find that there are ways that God will do things in your life that you'll experience the power, and then that'll boost your confidence and expectation in that, and you're quicker to expect it yes. next time, and, and you'll see that manifestation in your life again and again and again, and then that's why you'll hear people say, they have a ministry along that line. Now, uh, Jesus... Man, what time? Oh, dear me. That was the introduction. <laughs> but that's the good thing about church is we can come back, you know, if the Lord doesn't return already. But in Luke 9, it said, uh, verse 53, Jesus sent out some of his uh, disciples to prepare the way for him, and, and uh, they didn't receive him. Is there a problem of folks not receiving him? Not receiving the message, not receiving the anointing, not receiving the power. They didn't receive him. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? Now, people tend to laugh at that, but they were serious. They were absolutely So This was not a joke. Jesus their master and their friend now had been rudely disrespected by these people and they thought somebody needed to be taught a lesson around there. And it seemed that uh, the perfect way to do it would be for some fire to fall. And they got scripture for it. Right? Just like Elijah did. <laughs> We can learn a lot from those disciples about what not to do <laughs> as well as what to do. But why would they say that? Why would they? And see, they're bold about it. They're like, they're, they're like this could happen right now. Can you see this? Come on, let me read it. When the disciples, James and John, saw, you know how that those folks didn't receive Jesus, they said, Lord... Wilt thou, do you want us? Wilt thou that we? So we're going to do it. Can you see that? Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? You know, like Elijah did. <laughs> Lord, you want us to do that? And they wouldn't have said that if they were sure they were going to get corrected. So they're at least half expecting him to say what? You know? 
<laughs> do it. I'll stand back over here and watch. Do it. <laughs> now, now you're laughing, but we're laughing too much. Why? They fully expected it could happen and would happen if the right decisions made here in just a few moments. How many average church going people today think that way? Uh -uh. It's like a wild, totally unrealistic fantasy. Why would they think that way? Because they're hanging around Jesus. Come on, can you see this? And they are hearing about the power and they are seeing the power. Can you see that? In manifestation, they are seeing powerful deliverances, healings, and miracles. So this has become experiential to them and they have faith in the power. What does that mean? It's real to them. I said, this is real to them. And they, and they, they are thinking, boy, this is going to teach folks. This is going to straighten this situation. You, you'll see. Next time you go to town, Jesus, they'll show you some respect. <laughs> now, go with me to 2 Kings, the first chapter. And let's see where they got this. 2 Kings 1. You like talking about this? Mm, I do. Whew. Say it out loud. I have faith in the power of God. I believe in the power of God. I expect manifestations and demonstrations of the power of God. Now we're we're not going to go too far in trying to tell God how to do things. See, they, they, they tried to go a little too far on this, didn't they? And I didn't read the rest of it, but you've read it. He, he corrected them and said, no, no, you don't know what spirit you're of. And, and what a wonderful verse the next one said, the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. He said that'd be sending the wrong message. <laughs> right? And yet, there is a positive element about how strong their faith was that a miracle like this could happen immediately. And uh, we have record of it. They said, well, you know, like Elijah did, like Elijah did. And here it is in uh, 2 Kings 1, verse 3, the angel of the Lord had told Elijah to... Uh, say some things and do some things and the whole country had gone after false idol worship and uh, he gave a prophecy that made the king upset and people around him and it came to pass and, and so uh, the king sent and tried to get Elijah. He sent his soldiers after him and uh, verse 9 the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his fifty, Second Kings one nine, he went up to him, and behold, he sat on a hill, on top of a hill, and he spoke to him and said, "You man of God, the king has said, come down 
And this, this is not respectful. And Elijah answered to the captain of 50, if I be a man of God. So they're not talking to him like he's a man of God. This is, um, oh, what's the word? They're not sincere when they're saying this. What's the word? Y'all know the word. Sarcastic. They're being sarcastic about this. Man of God, you get down here right now. See, they think they're in control. You would think they are too. They got the power. They got the weapons. He's one preacher. Right? And there's 50 squad, military. And he said, well, he's sitting up on top of the hill. He said, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And there was a sound. Hallelujah. There came down fire from heaven and consumed him and his 50. What was it? Fire covers a big spectrum. I mean, there's fire from a match. And then there's plasma. (laughs) And that's what this sounds like. Plasma is found commonly throughout the universe. It's something you find on the sun. And why would Elijah think of this? Why would he respond this way? Well, you got to remember that he has experience with fire. Remember the showdown with the prophets of Baal on the mount? And uh, he told them, you know, call on your God and I'll call on mine. And whoever answers by fire. So Elijah has faith for fire. (laughs) Now, he didn't just conjure this up himself. He's a man of God. He heard this from God. He got this from God. But after he got it, you see it manifest multiple times. What? Fire falling. Multiple times, same kind of thing. Why? Well, you don't have to convince Elijah that fire can fall. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And so these guys come. With their sneering and their sarcasm and their disrespect. Demanding of him. Commanding him. Telling him the king's in charge. And the king's untold him. You better get himself down here. And he said well. If I am a man of God. In other words. You ain't heard about me have you? You haven't heard about me, have you? Let the fire fall and consume you and everybody with you. And I mean, as soon as he got it out of his mouth, I guess lightning, plasma, light came down from above. And you know, when that fell on that sacrifice, the Bible said it basically, it disintegrated the stones 
and the sacrifice and all the wood and the water. And when the dust cleared, there was nothing there. So it's not just like your little campfire that you make (laughs) that leaves things, you know, with a burnt surface. There are different degrees of fire. And what did it say? It came down and consumed him and his 50. That means the same thing. Consumed is there was nothing left. Nothing left. So the king waited and waited and nobody came back. (laughs) No Elijah, no squad. And finally someone said, did you hear what happened? And so brilliant, foolish guy that he is, he sends another squad. Verse 11, he sent another captain of 50 with his 50. He probably didn't ask for volunteers. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, thus has the king said, come down quickly. So they doubled down. Can you see what I mean by that? They, they're like, I'm not afraid of you. Well, you should be. I'm not afraid of you. And the king has said, you better get down here quick, quick. He's more adamant. And Elijah answered and said, if I be a man of God, I bet those other soldiers that heard about it are going, oh, no, no. <laughs> Let the fire Come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And there was this sound and this blaze of light and the fire and the plasma, whatever it was. And it consumed him and his 50. How many believe this actually happened? Now, see, there there are a lot of folks that don't. They go, oh, that's just, you know, are you kidding me? Well, then you don't, you deny the power of God. You reject its reality. And you're the same kind of person that's going to have trouble with the virgin birth and the physical resurrection. The same kind of person that's lost and won't make heaven. No matter how good you try to be. See, the Bible's either true or it's not. Now, you can believe anything you want to believe. But it doesn't make it true. And the Bible is either true or it's not. And Jesus said in the Bible, nobody comes to the Father except by me. He said, if you don't believe that I am the one, you'll die in your sins. He said, you, you can't have the Father without me. I believe that. Do you? So here this happened again, second time. Verse 13. So the king waited. <laughs> and waited. Nobody came back. So what does he do? I guess he's got plenty of soldiers. Right? He sends a third captain with a third 50. The third captain of the 50 went up and came and fell on his knees. <laughs> Things have changed around there. Before Elijah and besought him and said, Oh, 
man of God. How many think he's not being sarcastic? He's saying, you are a man of God. I pray you. That's a request. Let my life and the life of these 50, your servants, (laughs) we'll do anything you want. We're your servants. Be precious in your sight. (laughs) Behold, there came fire down from heaven and burn up the two captains of the former fifties with their fifties. Therefore, let my life now be precious in your sight. And don't you know the next moments of silence where really everybody was like, oh. <laughs> I reckon there was some praying going on. Is that right in the camp? And um, the angel of the Lord spoke to Elijah and said, go down with him. Don't be afraid of him. And he arose and went down with him to the king. This is why the disciples thought they had scriptural precedent. Right? Because they do. They did. And so do we. But uh, it demonstrates. Did you hear our text? Demonstration of the Spirit. And of power. What did this demonstrate? The country had gotten so far from God and there was so much disrespect for the word and things of God and his ministers. On this occasion, under that covenant, the Lord did a demonstration. The, uh, the judgments on the nation of Egypt when he delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage, those were all demonstrations you know, he could have done things in a different way. He did these things as signs. I mean, everybody, not just people in the country, other countries all around knew about what happened. We're still talking about what happened, right? In Egypt, because they were mighty demonstration of God's power, the kind of thing you would expect the being who created heaven and earth could do. And he has done. Somebody said, well, I, I wish he would do it today. Do you? Do you? Judgment cuts both ways. If you're, wanting, if you're praying that somebody else, else's sins would be revealed, what about yours? That they would be judged right now for their prayer. Well, what about you? If you hadn't repented, you hadn't got it right, you could be in trouble too. No, the Bible said that the Lord is very long-suffering. During this time that we're in, what we'd call the, the age of, of grace, the, the opportunity for people to come believe on Jesus and be born again, He is being so patient, so merciful. He is tolerating so much. But there's coming a time when we're going to see in things that pass what happened in Egypt. Have you read the book of Revelation? And we actually have a, a insight and a preview of the enemy's final days. Would you like to hear about that? Revelation 20. <laughs> Now the devil has already left the room. 
because he does not want to hear me preach on this. <laughs> so I'm going to say it real loud so you can hear me way outside and everywhere else. And, and you need to know it and you need to believe this and see what's coming up so that you have no question about whose side you're on in this life and into the next. Revelation 20, it talks about verse 4, people living and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. Does that sound good to anybody? And that this is the first resurrection. Verse 6, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection On such the second death has no power, but they'll be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Who are the lords he's Lord of? Not angels. Who are the kings he's king of? They are the redeemed. Us. Us. I said us. Verse 7. When the thousand years are expired. Satan shall be loosed. Out of his prison. He couldn't escape. Couldn't break out. Couldn't prevent it. He's not. What he cracks himself up to be. A single. Mighty angel from God. Came down. Grabbed him. Chained him threw him in the pit and shut the door and there was nothing he could do about it. He couldn't stop it. Couldn't even fight. Couldn't even slow it down. And you see one reason, it's a big one, why there is no redemption for the devil. And the same thing is true about those that follow him. Only the Lord knows this, but there's a point where beings are not going to change. And human beings can be the same way. They are the same way. And only God knows what point that is. I don't know. You don't know. So don't think you do and don't judge. But there's coming a point. And you can see this with him. I don't know how long the devil's been around. Long time. And how long he's been active in his rebellion against God. And stirring up men against God. And all these other things. Misleading other created beings, the angels. And yet, he has a thousand years to think about what he's done. Sitting in this abyss, chained up, unable to do anything. And after that, Satan is loosed from his prison. And what's the first thing he does in verse 8? First thing he does when he gets out. Has he been rehabilitated? No. (laughs) Has he changed at all? Immediately he goes out to deceive. To deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Gog and Magog. To gather them together to battle. Against who? Verse 9. They went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints and the beloved city. Coming up against God's people. Coming up against God. And this time, 
I said this time. God said, uh-uh. No. I'm through with this. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Them who? These are, I guess, millions. Millions. And all the stuff that went with it. This entire rebellion and attack on God and his people, God didn't even involve anybody else. He just sent out of his power. Now now think about it. If you can create a sun, it's uh, July. August is coming. (laughs) I was just out west. It's hot out there, man. Yikes. And we're 90 million miles away from the sun. 90 million. Million miles. If you were 80 million, we wouldn't be talking about it. So just an ejection from the one star that God made could French fry this whole planet. Just one. And so he's created all of these things. And so this is, is this hard for him? We need to realize, for instance, healing, a physical healing, is a very small manifestation of God's power. Even if he had to recreate half your organs at the same time. That's a very small manifestation. If we think, oh, this is a big thing, it's a big thing. It's not because it's big to him. He creates stars. He creates galaxies. Galaxies. We have no idea what kind of power this is, and yet all that power is emanating from his throne. And all things are upheld by the word of his power. I'm talking about your daddy. The one you call father who calls you his child. We are so privileged amongst all his creation to be called his very own children. And that we can come boldly, not arrogantly, but confidently before the very throne of grace where all this power comes from and he will hear us. I said he will hear us and he cares about us. And if we'll believe him and expect it, it's no big thing for him to manifest some of his power. Is it? That's what Isaiah was talking about. He gives power to the faint, right? It's no big thing. No, no, no absurd thing for him to give power and manifest some power in our life. Power to heal a body part. Power to quicken your brain. Help you with some smarts. Power to move finances and provision in the right direction towards you. Power to protect you and prevent you from getting hurt and getting cut off prematurely. Power. We should be expecting power every day of our lives. We're living on his power right now. It's his power making the sun shine. It's his power making your heart beat. It's his power 
causing your brain synapses to fire. It's his power. Everything in us functions on what we would call electricity. The life in every cell in our body is a very, very small voltage of electricity. The synapses that are happening in our brain, small, tiny, you would say, voltage, what we call electricity. Why? Because it, came, it all came from God. Electricity is God's power in the natural. But where that came from, there are 50 mile wide shafts of power that can come down and just obliterate God's enemies. Can you see this? It said, they came out against the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And verse 9, fire came down from God out of heaven and destroyed them, devoured them. And the devil that was deceived, I guess he's not flesh and blood, so he's still around after that, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever in that lake of fire. Our God, the Bible said, is a consuming fire. When you look, which you can't look at very well, through, through some of these giant filters they have, look at the sun, you're looking at God. That came right out of him. And the prophets who saw him in the scripture said when they looked on him sitting on the throne from his loin up he was fire. From his loins down he was fire. Shouldn't be surprising that we've seen these read about these manifestations of fire. And whether you realize it or not John the Baptist prophesied about you and me. He baptized with water. But there was coming one that had baptized us with the Holy Spirit and with some fire. Is that right? And with fire. I got fire in me. You got fire in you. Hallelujah. And this fire of God, it doesn't consume us. It doesn't devour us. It just quickens us. It just lights us up. <laughs> Stand on your feet. Somebody say, I got fire. I, I got fire. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.